Welcome to the VRV Podcast, where we highlight different better-known businesses and nonprofits. From the Patriot Moose, and we're coming at you on a beautiful Saturday afternoon in Northern Virginia. And I want to thank uh, Justin for letting the Patriot Moose take over the VRV podcast. And for uh, our first guest, or my first guest, I am happy to introduce Bobby Powell from the Josh Powell Foundation. And she's coming at us from Nashville, Tennessee. How are you doing, Bobby? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. It's truly uh, an honor. Yeah, we've been talking about this, uh, I don't know, for months. And uh, yeah. I can't believe we finally are getting together and finally getting to do this. Yes, I'm excited. Yeah, so am I. And, you know, we have so much that we want to talk about. Um, and so let's kind of set the stage uh, for our listeners. So I think it was last July, July of 19, when the Patriot Moose, Old Glory Gym, and the Josh Powell Foundation got together and we did a fundraising CrossFit type event and we raised some money for JPF. Yes. So if someone were to come to you and ask you, what is this event all about? What would you tell them? That specific event? Well, what is, what is JPF all about, I guess, and, and how the event segues into the bigger picture of JPF? Yeah, so that specific event was intended to work out in honor of those who can't anymore. So anyone who participated in that CrossFit gym event got a shirt that has our slogan on the front, which is keep going. And then below that says strong mind, strong outcome. And then on the back of the shirt, there was a list of a hundred fallen sarcoma warriors. And so the whole concept was to kind of put life into perspective and realize that every day is a gift and that not everybody has the luxury to be able to wake up and go work out every day or just wake up and do something that they love for that matter. So the whole concept behind that keep going event was, you know, you don't have to have a, a direct um, connection to sarcoma cancer to be impacted by our message and, and what we do, which is empowering the minds of newly diagnosed sarcoma cancer patients. So to kind of backtrack a little bit, since most of you probably don't know what JPF is, my late husband, his name is Josh Powell, and he was a 2013 West Point grad. He played linebacker for Army for a couple years and ended up going through Ranger School with a tumor the size of a volleyball in his lower abdomen. Josh was 230 pounds when I met him. He had just been stationed at Fort Campbell. I was living in California at the time and was just on a girl's trip to Nashville and the universe aligned our paths and had us both at the same bar downtown at the same time and the rest was kind of history. I went back to California and we ended up talking every day for the rest of his life. So we fell in love really fast and two months into us dating long distance, Josh was diagnosed with an aggressive form of cancer called synovial sarcoma. 
So when he had gone through ranger school, he had no idea that he had this tumor. He had had a sports hernia operation while he was at West Point. And in my opinion, I think that was never a sports hernia. I think that was probably his sarcoma to begin with. And then doing that operation probably caused it to grow rapidly, turning it into the size of a volleyball. So once he was diagnosed, we were lucky because the tumor was contained and we had all the hope in the world. Josh never lost at anything, so we knew he was going to you know, beat his battle with cancer. And, and so I ended up moving out here to Nashville to be with him. And we just shared two of the most extraordinary years together. Josh is someone who never felt sorry for himself. He never asked why me. He never complained. He never stopped living, dreaming, setting goals. He was the most inspiring person that I've ever met in my life. And I am so grateful for the time that I was gifted with him. And of course I would give anything to spend the rest of my life with him. But because I can't, I, I decided to start a legacy in his honor, which is how the Josh Powell foundation was born. I tried to think of a way to kind of bottle up Josh's mindset and gift it to newly diagnosed sarcoma cancer patients. And so what we do is we, we focus our efforts currently at MD Anderson Cancer Center. It's the largest sarcoma center in the U.S. and one of the greatest cancer hospitals out there. And so what we do is every newly diagnosed sarcoma cancer patient that goes through MD Anderson on their first day of treatment, whether it be chemo, radiation, surgery, alternative options, they receive what's called a Powell pack. And what's in this pack is just motivational, functional items that these patients would use on a daily basis, whether it be a keep going journal so that they can get the thoughts that are swirling around in their head down on paper and help them kind of work through the different emotional roller coasters that you go through when you're newly diagnosed. Uh, Josh created a keep going, never die easy wristband when he was battling sarcoma cancer. And so those wristbands are in there as well as just a constant reminder when you wake up every day, whether it's your best day or your worst day, you're still lucky to be here and you have to find the strength to keep going somehow. Otherwise you're giving power to the cancer. And at the end of the day, if, if you allow that to happen, cancer wins and cancer should never win regardless of what the outcome is. There's a keep going beanie in there for chemo patients who are eventually going to lose their hair. Uh, there's a sarcoma awareness magnet. So friends and family members can start supporting their battle and spreading awareness as they're battling alongside them. Um, there's a water bottle as well. You have to stay hydrated. I mean, we all do, but especially patients who are going through different treatment therapies. And then Josh's keep going statement. It's a statement that he wrote to explain what keep going means, what these wristbands mean. It, he really wrote kind of the explanation of what JPF is without even knowing that this would eventually be his legacy. And so once patients receive this pack, they're then directed to go to our different social media outlets where we end up, oh Lord, I have two French Bulldogs and of course they were like super chill until right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, just adds character. This is life as a 32-year-old widow with two crazy dogs. But no, so these patients are then directed to our social media outlets where we then um, 
we have ambassadors that are sarcoma survivors. They're people who have been through this battle before, and we share their like-mindedness. They all have one thing in common, and it's the way that they chose to face their battle with resilience. And what these ambassadors do and the stories that we put out there is to encourage others to keep going and to show them what it can be like when you choose resilience during your battle and how inspiring you can be to other people. So it's kind of this ripple effect, which is why our mission statement is inspiring the world one battle at a time. So by empowering their mind in the beginning of their battle and allowing them to know that they have a choice, that cancer doesn't have to be the end of their life, that this can just be a chapter and they can use it to kind of propel them into just something extraordinary after, you know, they're on the other side or leaving an incredible legacy behind like in Josh's case, he didn't get to be one of the lucky ones who gets to have a life on the other side of cancer. But the way that he chose to live during his battle has left a mark on this world that he would have never thought would be possible. And so in a nutshell, I know it's hard to do like an elevator pitch for what we do because there's so many different layers to it. But in a nutshell, that's what JPF is. You know, we're, we're a community that helps support newly diagnosed patients and their families to let them know that they're not alone. And that looks like so many different things. And as we grow and evolve and raise more and more money, we're able to support these patients on so many different levels other than just uh, tangibly. So... If you ever want to get involved, I actually recently, I think we talked about this earlier, I recently posted our story on LinkedIn. I've posted it a couple of times, but this time almost half a million people have viewed it now, which has been so humbling and absolutely incredible. But I've actually had a couple of West Point grads reach out wanting to get involved, which has been so heartwarming because that was just such a, such a prideful thing in Josh's life was to have graduated from West Point and to have his brothers who may have never known him want to reach out and support kind of like you. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's exciting. We're, we're growing at a pretty rapid pace right now. We're building our board up and bringing on more and more ambassadors to help spread our reach. Um, but yeah, that's, that's JPF in a nutshell. That's an incredible story. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I caught a glimpse of your story two years ago. I want to say it was 2017 in the spring. Yes. Uh, and, and for our listeners, um, how I came across JPF was a was that YouTube video, um, which you titled Our Story. And uh, sh- this mutual friend of ours posted it on Facebook. And... M- 2017 2018 was like the first year that the patriot moves really got off the ground you know making flags and and one of the things that i wanted to do with the patriot moves was to collaborate with an organization such as jpf to see what we can do to promote awareness of of your cause so i saw your video and it was a friday night and it was close to probably 10 or 10 30 at night and, you know, the, you know, there's something about that video that struck a chord with me. I said, you know what, this is the kind of organization that I would like to see the Patriot Moose uh, partner with. So I reached out to you. I said, hey, you don't know me. 
but this is what I do. This is what I would love to do with, with, with JPF. How can I help? And I honestly did not think that you would respond because, <laughs> you know, before that, before then, I had reached out to several other smaller uh, nonprofit organizations and uh, it didn't, you know, didn't get a single hit. So I'm thinking, you know, I'll just keep trying. I'll try with JPF. And just before, yeah, just before I shut down the, shut down the laptop, your message came across and, you know, here we are two years later and we're talking about your story and we're sharing it through a platform like VRV. Um, you know, there are a couple of things about your story that really strike a chord with me. Number one is you, you mentioned Josh was going through ranger school while he had this tumor. Uh, was he aware that he had the tumor or was like, did he find out about it after he got his Ranger tab? Yeah. So he got recycled once and then received his Ranger tab and he had no idea. And so when I met Josh, he, and we were going through doctor's appointments trying to figure out what, what was going on. Josh had just assumed that maybe he had another hernia because it was in the exact same location. And honestly, he probably should have gone to the doctor, but in true Josh fashion, he didn't want to get kicked out of ranger school. So he's like, I'm just gonna finish this first and then I'll go get it figured out. And in hindsight, I know he wouldn't have done anything differently. He was just so proud to be able to have earned his ranger tab. And after the fact, I remember him asking some of his friends that he went through ranger school with, like do you remember me complaining about being in pain or like my stomach hurting? And they're like, yeah, you were always in pain, but it's ranger school. Like everyone's in pain, everyone's struggling, you know? So it was like, he had been in pain for so long that it just became almost normal. Like he forgot what it felt like to not be in pain. And so once he was diagnosed and people, wonder like how the heck do you have a tumor the size of a volleyball inside your body and you don't know you have it. And it sounds kind of silly, but it's kind of like women who are pregnant for six to nine months and don't know they're pregnant. Because of the location, if you have something growing in your abdomen, your organs kind of move out of the way for it. And Josh was like a solid rock. You know, he was 230 pounds. He had all the room in the world for this tumor to be hiding. So it wasn't until it got to a certain size that he finally saw like a bulge but again could have been confused as the sports hernia so with all that to say if you notice something I remember Josh wrote this down in his journal and I had read it after he passed away and it just said if you have something that hurts get it checked out and he had like a whole list of like 10 things that he would suggest for newly diagnosed cancer patients or just people in general you know if you have something that is not normal or something that's new that's going on with your body or some a bump or something that doesn't feel right. Don't wait. Get it checked out. I mean, Josh was 25 years old when he was diagnosed. You would never think in a million years cancer. And that's honestly why a lot of young people get misdiagnosed because no doctor is assuming the worst. They're thinking, oh, maybe it's just a benign tumor. Maybe it's a cyst. Maybe it's nothing, growing pains or whatever, but you have a bump and it's 
the size of a golf ball or, you know, a decent size, chances that a sarcoma are pretty high. Um, so not to scare anybody, but that's real life. You know, cancer is not going away anytime soon and we can all be affected. Sarcoma is one of those that can affect anybody and everybody. And truly they say it's a rare cancer. I, I meet people on a weekly basis that have either directly been impacted or know somebody impacted because there's about a hundred different subtypes. Each individual type is considered rare. But when you look at it as a whole, it actually affects a decent amount of the population. It makes up, I think now it's up to maybe 20% of all childhood cancers. I think it's the number one cancer in dogs actually too. So it's a random box, but, but yeah, he, he had no idea. He just thought like he was having aches and pains just like everybody else. So he found out, um, he got his ranger tab, I believe, in June, got stationed at Fort Campbell shortly after that, in like July, August, and he got officially diagnosed in November. It took a couple biopsies and different tests to, to really hone in and determine what it was. Okay, so so he, he gets his ranger tab. Uh, he goes through all of ranger school with this, with tumor, with this tumor, and he just kind of blocks it out as it were because it's ranger school right you're sleep deprived food deprived yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh and, and then he gets to his first duty station and he gets diagnosed in uh november right um and so where in those in, in that span of time did you meet him yeah so funny you should ask i flew out to nashville on September 11th, which is Josh's birthday. And I met him on my last day, or last night, rather. No, it was during the day. We met, we went to the Titans-Cowboys game, the girls that I had gone on the trip with, and then we went to Honky Tonk Central after to grab a bite to eat, and that's when Josh and his friends walked in. Um, so we met on September 14th, and he had his first doctor's appointment for the pain in his abdomen in October. And they did an ultrasound, and... And they were like, yeah, I don't think this is a hernia. This kind of looks more like a tumor. And so they set him up to do a biopsy. And the biopsy came back uh, non-diagnostic. So it just wasn't a good tissue sample. So then they sent him to Vanderbilt, which is where they did an open biopsy. So more of like a surgical procedure to, to make sure that they got a good chunk of tissue. And then it took about three weeks for the results to come back for that. And... Uh, I was just on my way to work one day and he called me and he was like, this isn't good. I have cancer. And, you know, before we were hopeful, you know, you don't want to stress out about something that you don't have answers to. So I'm like, well, maybe it's benign. You never know. Let's not cross that bridge until we get to it. And sure enough, it ended up being synovial sarcoma. And luckily for him, it was contained at the time of the diagnosis. But unfortunately... There are a lot of doctors out there who don't know enough about sarcoma cancer to be treating it. And instead of referring people out, they take on the case anyway. And so Josh had some surgeries that he should have never had that ultimately, in my opinion, cost him his life or any chance at long-term survival. So I think that's also a huge reason why I'm such an advocate for sarcoma patients and just cancer patients in general 
you trust your doctors. You you rely on them because you're not an expert in that field and you can't do enough research. You have to be your own advocate. And if you have a rare form of cancer, you have to go to the best of the best. And we just ended up there too late. So that's, um, that's kind of, you know, skipping a lot of the in between, but from start to finish there, there's just so many things you would do different next time. And I think if you can't share that, with other people, then your stories, your story kind of for no reason. I, I knew right away that I didn't lose my husband at 29, 29 years old for no reason. And I knew that my story and Josh's legacy deserved to be told in order to help other people gain the same life perspective that I have gained through this extremely painful experience without having them have to go through the pain that I had to go through to get here. So that's also kind of ties into to what we do. We, we reach these patients early on so that we can kind of lead them in the right direction as best as we can. So I can imagine then that one of your platforms, so to speak, for JPF is that education because, you know, you go to the doctor's office and they're sitting across the desk from you and they're trying to put everything into layman's perspective, but it's yes. still overwhelming. And Absolutely. so, so I can see how you can take the experience that you and Josh had and, and, and funnel that into educating uh, people around the country about the real truth of, of sarcoma. Yeah. 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 I think helping people understand, I mean, I am very well aware that there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of people out there who have incredible stories. And my point in sharing mine is number one, to help encourage other people to share theirs as well, because we go through really hard things in life, all of us do. And I think when we share those hard things, it humanizes us and it allows us to connect to people that we never would otherwise. Through this horrible experience, I've met some of the most incredible people I've ever known in my life. Had I not had this experience, they probably wouldn't be in my life. And so that's one reason. And the second reason is to encourage others to find, to dig so deep and find purpose within their pain. Because again, none of us are getting out of your life. We're all gonna experience loss at some point. And nobody talks about it. You know, it's not talked about enough. Like, how do you deal with grief? How, how do you meet someone who tells you that they just lost someone that they love? Like, how do you respond to that? It's just such a taboo topic. And so what I try and do is, is talk about it and connect with other people who've lost loved ones who never talk about it. Their loved ones' names are never mentioned. Their loss is never acknowledged. So, again, a lot of layers. But I think the big takeaway is, People ask me all the time, like, how do you get out of bed every day? And it's because I chose to find purpose within the pain that I'm going to experience for the rest of my life. And instead of blaming someone or thinking, why me? I look to Josh, like, what did Josh do? He never felt sorry for himself. He woke up with a grateful heart every day and a positive mindset. And if he could do that while facing cancer, I can do that. And I'm not only going to do that for me, but... 
I'm going to do it for him because he doesn't get to be here anymore. So it, to me, it doesn't make any sense to move forward in any other way. But everyone's different. So that's just kind of my way of coping and um, my way of making a really horrible situation have, have purpose and have that pain be able to, to help encourage others and help them through whatever it is that they're facing. Yeah, and so you use JPF as your platform, not number one, to carry on Josh's legacy, number two, to advocate for sarcoma warriors around the country. But let's backtrack a little bit. Yeah. The, the thought process, I mean, the thought process of setting up a 501c3, uh, that has to be absolutely daunting. Yeah. Uh, so a couple questions about that, um, because I know that there are veterans out there who are doing the same thing yeah. or they're, they're thinking about doing the same thing. So uh, did you did you start thinking about setting up JPF while Josh was still alive or did it come after the fact? It's funny. I think. OK, so Josh wrote in his journals all the time. And the one thing that he always told me was like, don't ever look in my journals. And as hard as that was, like I respected that. But the day that he died, he passed away at like 9.15 p.m. So obviously that was a horrible night. The next morning, the first thing that my mind told me to do was to find his journals. And so I started like just looking through them and there were it was like new memories of him just flooding in things that I you know had never read before and it was almost like a blueprint to what he wanted his life to be after cancer of course his intention was to be here for it but he wanted to write a book he wanted to have these shirts made he wanted to be encouraging and inspiring not only to cancer patients but to anybody and everybody facing adversity and so my wheels started turning. I knew that he deserved to have a legacy. And I knew that that was something that I was going to have to figure out how to create. Oh, man, the dog. Sorry. Um, so to your point, extremely daunting. I'm a medical esthetician. My background is in skincare. I now work for a company called Allergan where I sell Botox and fill in a plastic surgeon. So by no means do I have any business starting a 501c3. I honestly didn't even know what that looked like. Um, so immediately I knew that this was going to exist. I just needed to figure out how to make it happen. And it was one of Josh's bucket list items that he had written in his journal was to run the St. Jude 5k here in Nashville. And so I was going to do that in his honor. And so I go to the expo prior to the 5k and there was a booth set up there for a nonprofit called memories of honor. It was called medals of honor at the time. And there's a woman who runs it called Amy Potter, and she's amazing. So they honor fallen soldiers all over the country, but specifically here, they do it for fallen soldiers from Fort Campbell. And I'm like, this couldn't be more perfect. So she and I connected, and she honored Josh at their next 5K along with many other soldiers. And then um, she actually helped me figure out how to do the logistics of setting up the initial 501c3. So she was extremely helpful. So when I have patients reach out, patients, when I have people reach out to me 
wanting advice on starting a 501c3, there's a piece of advice that I always give them. I actually was up until 1, 1 a.m. responding to people on LinkedIn. And a lot of the, the messages were wanting to start a 501c3 in honor of a loved one. And so, so the advice I always give these people is first and foremost, what you don't want to do is reinvent the wheel. So what I tell people is if there's a specific group of people that you're trying to target, like a rare form of cancer or whatever it may be, do your research and make sure that there's not a nonprofit that already exists that has a similar mission. Because the easiest way to create a legacy for a loved one, rather than starting a 501c3 from scratch that may already exist or the idea already exists, is to join forces with one that has already been built. And so that's what we're doing. I connect a lot of times with other widows who have lost their loved ones to sarcoma or family members or just survivors who want to make an impact. And I encourage them to join forces with JPF because what we're all trying to do is to support sarcoma cancer patients. And you can't have as big of an impact with all these small little nonprofits you can make a huge impact when you all join forces together under the same umbrella, and then you can start branching out and meeting different needs as well. And so what we've done is we've given people the opportunity to create like scholarship funds in honor of their loved one who has passed away, or give them the option to host charity events in honor of their loved one, but raising money under the JPF umbrella to expand our reach. But then they still have the legacy that's created without the headache of starting a 501c3 from scratch when something may already exist. Oh my yes. gosh, I'm killed. <laughs> you got some active dogs. They're awake. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. So I have a, a puppy that's here and they're freaking out about her. <laughs> okay, we should be good. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's good to have an audience. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> it's all good. So we we went through some of like like the first lesson, I guess, uh, that maybe you would have to pass on to people thinking about starting a nonprofit. What about uh, startup costs? I can imagine there's there's some involved there, right? Yes, definitely. It's not cheap to start a nonprofit, especially if you are trademarking. Um, different phrases in your names and all that good stuff. So what I chose to do, um, because of what our nonprofit was in honor of was I started a GoFundMe page and I know a lot of people have also used the platform Kickstarter in the past for different, uh, startup companies or, or nonprofits or business opportunities. So GoFundMe is what allowed us to not get super behind financially from the very beginning. And then we we raised the majority of our money through charity events. So we continue to, to collaborate with other people to have annual events to help continue to funnel money in through, through the foundation. And then also we have merchandise that also helps keep that money coming in year round. Right, so that you, you have, uh, so you have, you have JPF and then you have Never Die Easy, which is an LLC. And yes. So if you don't mind, can we talk a little bit about Never Die Easy? Yeah. So Never Die Easy is kind of like 
just on a shelf right now. The idea behind it is to have it just be a standalone apparel company that is for profit, but a percentage of the proceeds go to JPF. So again, we constantly have money filtering in to the foundation. I'm still looking for more people to get involved with that brand um, before we take it to the next level because it's a lot of money out of pocket because it is a, a for-profit business. So that's all coming out of my bank account. <laughs> so what we're doing right now is we're doing a Never Die Easy motorcycle ride in September. Actually, I have a meeting today um, to follow up with our plans on that. And so what we'll do for that is get Never Die Easy merch but filter it through JPF for that specific event. Um, so if anybody rides motorcycles out there and is interested in, in joining forces or wanting to be a part of the motorcycle ride, it's going to be September, I believe it's the 12th. So it's going to be like Josh's annual birthday ride. He loved to ride. He has a Harley. So it's going to be a really cool event. Cool. Yeah. I, I don't think you'll have a problem getting uh, VRV members to hop on a bike to uh, yes. participate in that event. I think one out of every three veterans, I'm making that statistic up, but I'm sure it's not too far off. One out of every three vets uh, rides a motorcycle. Yeah, oh yeah. There's a lot up in Clarksville, that's for sure. <laughs> so, um, so what are some other lessons or some other advice that you would pass on to people about running a nonprofit? I think for starters, what we touched on earlier, just making sure that there's not something that already exists and to join forces with people who have kind of already laid the groundwork and um, collaborating with other nonprofits. That's something that's not done very well. And I definitely think that's something that we can all do a little bit better. And um, just don't let the fear of doing something that you've never done before um, deter you from, from doing it. There's plenty of people out there who want to help. So if you know somebody who started a nonprofit or know somebody who works in a field that you're interested in getting into, talk to people and, and they are all willing to give you advice. And we all started, um, we all started from the ground up in, in everything that we do at some point. We're all newbies at, at some point. So to, just reach out to other people and use their knowledge and expertise to help you achieve your goals and dreams. I think that's super, super important. I, there's a quote that I really, really enjoy that's, if your dreams don't scare you, then they're not big enough. And by no means was starting JPF a breeze. It's the scariest venture that I've ever done aside from moving across the country for a boy that I just met that I fell in love with who happens to have just been diagnosed with cancer. So for me, it's just one of those, if you have a, a purpose and a vision and a dream, you have such a short period of time to make it happen that you just have to shoot for the stars and just go for it. You know, if it doesn't scare you, it's not, it's not big enough. So keep dreaming big. If there's something out there you've been wanting to do, but just been putting it on hold, just remember, we're only here for a short period of time. None of us are getting out of here alive. So pull the trigger. Do do the thing that, that scares you, and you don't have to do it alone. There are plenty of people out there who will help you along the way. Yeah, there's uh, certainly something to be said about Carpe Diem, right? Seize yeah. the moment, seize the day. And, you know, uh, the other thing, like 10 minutes ago, uh, I, I mentioned that two, there were two things that struck a chord with me about your story. Uh, 
and, and you just touched on it a few seconds ago, was the fact that you came from California all the way to Nashville uh, after Josh got his diagnosis. Uh, so that was that had to have been a daunting thing for you as well. So yeah. what was going, what, what was some of the thought process, I guess, that you went through, uh, that you went through uh, as you're making that move to spend, you know, the two years that you had with Josh? Uh, and at what point did you realize, hey, I'm going to put everything that's intimidating about this experience behind me and just soldier on? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great question. That's a question I get asked quite a bit. And you know what? I think we all kind of operate a little bit differently in life, especially when it comes to making big decisions. I was just talking to someone I met um, the other day about this, but we basically all have three brains. We have a brain in our head, a brain in our heart, and a brain in our gut. So basically like mind, body, soul type of situation. I'm somebody who has always operated with the brain in my heart, first and foremost. And so me moving to Nashville was a no-brainer for so many different reasons. Number one, I fell in love with, with Nashville, the first trip that I had here. Before I even met Josh on that last day, I was like, oh my gosh, I could totally see myself living here. I had lived in California for 27 years. I had traveled, the, you know, I've traveled a bunch in the U.S. I've traveled out of the country and I wasn't tied to California. Obviously, my friends and family and my whole life was there, but I didn't ever intend on staying there forever. And so Nashville won over my heart, and then Josh won over my heart. And so he was kind of the vessel who got me out here and got me outside of my comfort zone and allowed me to grow in into the woman that I am today. And so for me, there were two questions. It was, are you moving out here just for Josh? Because that can be scary. Like, what happens if I move out here and our relationship doesn't work out? So then the next question was, if that were to happen, would I stay here? And the answer was yes. So for me, it was a no-brainer. And I, I knew that I was never going to meet somebody like Josh ever again. It took me 27 years to find extraordinary love like that. So I wasn't going to let that slip through my fingers just because it wasn't going to be easy. You know, life isn't easy. There's no guarantee that I moved out here for someone who was healthy at the time that something wouldn't happen to them, you know, or me. So once I made that decision that, number one, I loved Nashville, number two, I was ready for a change in my career. I'd been at my job for five years, and I didn't have an opportunity to make any more money. And capped out at 27 is a little crazy. So I told Josh, I was like, hey, listen, if you'll have me, like, I want to move there. Like, I can't be here watching you go through chemo and radiation and not be there to love you and support you through it. And I just, I'm ready for a change and I love Nashville, but also I don't want to put pressure on you thinking like, I'm doing this all for you and you have to make this work. Otherwise, like I'm going to resent you for the rest of mine. So I moved in with his parents for a little while, just while I found an apartment and then I moved into my own place and we gave each other a fair enough time and space to make sure that this was all for the right reasons. And shortly after I moved into my apartment, which was like, in, I moved here in March, that was in April. And I think in June, we got a bigger one and moved in together. So I just trusted my heart. And I, I, I chased after the other half of it, which was here. And 
I wouldn't change anything. I would do it over a million times. And I encourage other people to do the same. That That's an incredible insight, especially for someone in their, in their 20s uh, to have that formative experience and to now have a completely different perspective on, on where life takes you. Sure. Um, JPF, uh, so I follow you almost religiously on uh, Facebook and Instagram. You guys do a lot of really cool stuff. Thank you. Uh, some of the things that... Uh, I would, that I think we can talk about maybe yeah. is um, so JPF sponsored a softball team. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah. So we had a local patient named Leo Cole who reached out to uh, to me um, through Instagram right when he was it was probably a year into his battle. He was being treated at uh, Vanderbilt, just like Josh. He had the same type of cancer, Josh, in the exact same location. And we just hit it off from the very beginning. I went to visit him in the hospital, and, and he told me that his favorite baseball team, team was the Atlanta Braves and that his favorite player was Chipper Jones. And it was like I was sitting across from Josh in the hospital. I'm like, you for sure put this guy in my life. I know that for certain. And, um, yeah, so they have the same favorite player, same favorite team, same demeanor, same zest for life, same just mindset, resilience in the face of, you know, the ugliest days of your life and just such positivity, such strong faith. And Leo told me that his favorite thing in the world was playing softball and that they didn't have anybody to sponsor their team that year, which was 2019. Yes. So all 2019, JPF stepped up to the plate and we sponsored Leo's team. So we, we came up with the, the JPF Leo Strong softball team. And so Leo got to be the epitome of what JPF is, inspiring the world one battle at a time. We empowered Leo and we supported his dreams so he could go out onto that softball field every opportunity that he got. And he got to inspire everybody who watched him. You know, it's so easy to wake up and, you know, go out onto the field and get pissed off because you didn't win the game. But at the end of the day, it was so much bigger than that. Leo, Leo had his life taken by sarcoma cancer December 6th of 2019, just a week before Josh's anniversary of his death. They had the same birth, they had the same birth month, they had the same month of diagnosis, and they both died in the same month, which is... Too much coincidence for me to believe that we didn't get put into each other's lives for a reason. So now uh, we actually have an event coming up on March 20th in Columbia, Tennessee, where Leo's from, to help raise money so that his softball team and his legacy can continue on. And that's just a little bit about what JPF does that's kind of outside of our, our our normal realm of things, but what we're getting more involved in is allowing people to experience life at the best of their ability with all circumstances involved. You know, there's, there's a lot of people going through cancer that don't have the financial ability to, to really have joy in their life. And that to me is just unacceptable. 
So whenever we can, we, we like to financially support our patients and whatever, whatever it is that they love to do or whatever bucket list item that they have that we can help them check off, almost like a make-a-wish for a sarcoma patient. Um, but one of the coolest things that we did aside from sponsoring Leo's team was uh, a good friend of mine is friends with Chipper Jones' agent. And we got Chipper to sign a jersey for Leo, which his mom requested that that jersey was buried with him, which was like the craziest honor. And Chipper filmed a video of him just telling Leo that that Atlanta was was rooting for him and that he was thinking about him. And in Leo, till the day that he died, swore that that was like one of the best days of his life. And his mom swears to this day that he lived at least a year, year and a half longer because of the JPF sponsorship and just the support and love that, that he got from all, all people who got alongside of him. So what we're doing is making a difference and it matters and it's just going to continue to get bigger. So that's why I always encourage people, if, if you're just inspired or impacted by what we do and, and it's a mission that you want to get behind, we are always looking, looking for help and looking for support and, uh, you just contact me if that's something that you would be interested in. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I, I remember watching or following Leo's story and the story of the softball team. It was it was really neat. The other thing that you guys uh, do a lot of is you guys do a lot of music events. Yes. Uh, so the Patriot Moves came out to Nashville, uh, was it the summer of 19? Or yeah. yeah, summer of 19. Uh, we presented you with a with a custom flag uh, that has uh, the Ranger tab and then uh, the the Josh Paul Foundation uh, logo. Yeah. Uh, and recently, you did one uh, with uh, Jamie Johnson. And yes. there's a there's a remarkable story behind that. Would you m- want to tell us about that? I would love to. It's funny that you say that because I'm going to lunch with him tomorrow to figure out. Uh, the next venue that we're going to do. Um, we're going to, I think, do our second annual in July, which is Sarcoma Awareness Month, like we did for, for our event. But, yeah, so uh, Josh and I had gone to a Jamie Johnson benefit concert in September of 2016, which ended up being the last concert that he and I ever attended together. He passed away in, in December of 2016. And I saw that Jamie was performing at, again, at the Franklin Theater, which is where we saw him, and it was for the same benefit. It's called the Nikki Mitchell Foundation. Uh, she's an amazing woman who is in the music industry here in Nashville who, who lost her life to pancreatic cancer. And I went with Josh's mom. I was like, hey, this Jamie Johnson benefit is happening, and you have to come with me. I can't go alone. She's like, absolutely. So the benefit ended, and she encouraged me to go to talk to Jamie. And I'm like, I don't want to be that girl. Like, so annoying. She's like, no, just talk to him. Like, I think he would be really interested to hear about JPF and see how maybe he could get involved. And I'm like, okay, what do I have to lose? So I ended up going up to him and told him a little bit about our story and that he was this in this very building. This was the last show that we ever attended. And, um, you know, since then I'd started the Josh Powell Foundation and Jamie was former military as well. So there was definitely that connection. And shortly after that, uh, we got together and we had lunch with Rhonda Miles, who who runs uh, the Nikki Mitchell Foundation, and and Jamie, and he was basically just 
heart of gold, so kind, so generous. And he's like, I want, I want to help. And so we did the first annual Jamie Johnson live in Nashville benefit concert in December, December 19th of 2019. And it was like mind blowing the success that we had during that benefit. We raised $20,000, which was like far beyond anything we had ever raised before. We had raised a couple of thousand dollars here and there at each of our other events. And so it was just kind of the validation that this is headed in the right direction and we just need to keep going. And each time we do an event, we get more and more of the right people involved who are able to help take it to the next level. And so I'm just on cloud nine, still just watching this crazy idea and dream that I had in my small little apartment that Josh and I lived in together before I moved into where I live now and watching it all come to fruition is it's just been the most incredible experience if there's anything that I learned it's just how great God is and that the amazing things that you can accomplish when you just shoot for the stars and you allow people to help you and step in and, and not do things on your own and just ask for whatever it is that you need to get to the next step, the next level. People are far more generous than you think. And if you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. So it's been a really cool opportunity. I'm really excited to see what JPPI has in store this next year. And I know that it's just going to continue to grow and, and evolve and just the opportunities that we'll be able to offer our patients is, is going to be pretty incredible. Yeah, that's, that, that's great that you can have that kind of uh, connection with people way outside your sphere of influence. You know what I mean? Like probably not in a million years had you ever thought of having a connection with Jamie Johnson or Chipper Jones. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a that's a wonderful legacy uh, of of Josh is because of his life and because of what you're doing with JPF, you're bringing in people from all walks of life to yeah. work towards one common cause, and that's incredible. Um, we touched you touched a little bit as you were talking about uh, Jamie and some previous events that you did. Uh, that you were able to raise $20,000 as a result of that concert, whereas before, maybe you raised a couple thousand. So that brings me to ask, when you do these kind of charity fundraising events, yeah. is there like a, a certain expectation that you have as to how much money you want to bring in or need to bring in? Or how does that, how does that thought process work? Yeah, so thus far, I mean, we've done a lot of events that have like little to no overhead. So for me, that's how I would like to do it, just because I know regardless of what the outcome is, it's going to be a win. As long as one person leaves inspired or impacted, then we did what we were supposed to do. Once you start doing larger events where you've got, you know, thousands of dollars worth of overhead, it's extremely important to have goals set into place so that you know that you're going to do better than just break even, you know, or, or lose money. I mean, that's obviously not ever what we want. So I think it's just being mindful and, and smart about things. I say yes to a lot of things just because if there is no overhead, I know that it's going to be a win, whether we raise $200 or $2,000 or $20,000. That's still money that can support 
our patients. And so I don't know. I mean, there's so many different ways of going about it, but I have a full-time job outside of running JPF and I spend every hour that I don't spend on my full-time job connecting and networking with people to help continue to grow JPF. Hey, get down. Um, so for me, it's like, if you really want something to happen, if, if you want your dreams to come true, you've got to put the time in, you've got to put the work in. There's no way that the Jamie Johnson benefit would have happened if I didn't have, you know, crazy sleepless nights or just gathered up the courage to make connections with people that you would think in a million years would never happen. You know, you just, you have to, you have to put your desires out in the universe. You have to manifest your dreams and you just have to assume that everyone's going to say yes and everyone's going to believe in what you're doing. And, and once you believe in yourself, you're unstoppable. Yeah. So that's hard for me to accept or to put into practice. Like I, I know that philosophy, right. But, uh, so, you know, I have such a high need for achievement that, you know, if I don't get yes, 100% of the time, you know, uh, it, I can, I almost look at it as a, as a, as a failure, but it's not, I know it's all part of the experience. And I think that's what, what you just said is a, is a message that our, our audience who are entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, they're so used to achieving high marks. They're so used to a life of excellent excellence. Uh, you know, there are going to be misses, but for every miss, there's going to be 10 more successes, but those successes yeah. don't come until you accept and take the risk. Yes. And the successes would be so much less sweet if you never failed and if it was easy to get there. You know, so I think you're absolutely right. I think you just have to be willing to fail. I mean, some of my most successful, I think every successful person in this world, they were all to told no numerous times before they got a yes. And sometimes you don't get that the yes from the people that you want, so you create your own thing so that you can get to where you want to go without that person's help. You know, you just figure out a way to make it happen. Yes, of course, it's discouraging when you get no's or when you feel like, gosh, I keep pounding the pavement and things are just not going my way. But they never are if you quit, you know, which is why I keep going in our message and in our slogan. It's relatable to, to anybody and everybody, all walks of life. It doesn't matter if you're trying to achieve one of your craziest goals or if you're, you're facing some extremely challenging time in your life. But you're not going to get anywhere unless you you keep going. You just have to power through, just like ranger school. You know, it's it's a struggle, but if you want that tap, you're going to have to keep pushing, keep going, never die easy. Yeah, that's and, and that's why uh, keep going. That those two words uh, ring so true and have so much so much meaning. Yeah. Uh, you know, as we wrap up here, what what, what is in the future for JPF? Um, is there, a, say, maybe a documentary, a book, a movie? Yes, yes, all of the above, I'm hoping. Um, we definitely have some, some talks going on right now with different producers who, who are interested in, in producing a film of our web story, which is mind-boggling. Like, I, that feels so weird even saying that out loud. So that is 
potentially out there. A book has is not really like officially in the works, but the bones are there. And definitely a documentary. I, I would love to do a sarcoma documentary uh, with Josh's story and some other sarcoma survivor warriors that that I'm connected with that are now ambassadors for JPF. So that is definitely in the very early stages. What we're working on right now actually is getting our full board set up and and looking for, for more ambassadors and people that can help grow our brand and our mission. And so I can't stress enough if there's anybody out there who really resonates with this content and, and what we're doing and wants to help us grow it in the future, we're all ears. You know, we could use all the help we could get because in the future, like five-year goal, the direction that I'd like to see JPF go is to branch outside of just sarcoma cancer to all different forms of adversity, whether there be like a military branch um, to to what we do, or you know, supporting inmates and uh, homeless, PTSD, you name it. Uh, I, I definitely see it going far beyond cancer, and that's such a huge population. But um, but yeah, that's kind of. The long-term goal is to keep growing it and keep uh, providing opportunities to help impact different groups, mental mental illness that it's just not touched on enough, and just focusing on mindset. I mean, it's amazing the change in your life that, that can happen when you wake up with a positive mindset and a grateful heart. That simple thing can change your whole life. And so the more people we can touch and the more people that we can can tangibly show them how how to do that, I think this this world would be a much better place. And I know I've got crazy big dreams and I've got, you know, a big heart, but if we get the, the right people together, I know that we can make a huge impact in all these different areas. So that's kind of the immediate goals. Right now we're just paperwork stuff and, and getting a board in place because once that's set in stone, sky's the limit. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, so, have you thought about who, like, if there were, if you had your choice of the cast, who yeah. would you, yeah, who would you have play you, and who would you have play uh, Josh? Yes, that's a great question. So, I've had some people throw out some ideas. I do not feel worthy of this idea at all, but I think she's absolutely amazing. Both of them, actually. Two options for me have been Blake Lively and, or Scarlett Johansson. And I'm like, yeah, I would be honored to have wow, somebody that's cool. that beautiful play yeah. me. Um, and then also for Josh, he's a tough one. Um, I, If I had my choice, I have a little crush on Channing Tatum. So I think he would be perfect. <laughs> I've seen him like play a military role in other movies. And was he was a formal, former football player and he likes to dance. And he's kind of goofy. So I'm like, that's like definitely up Josh's alley. But a lot of people have said like Ryan Gosling. Um, and then I forget, there's a guy on This Is Us. I don't know his name, but people have said that he should be an option too. So who knows? Who knows? But those ideas have been been thrown out there. Wow. That would be, uh, <laughs> that would be something to see. I'm like, is this really happening? Like, I think right. it's supposed to happen, so I'm just riding the wave, and and if the right people come together, it'll it'll be something magical. But I'm you know not sitting around like 
hanging on every last word. I'm kind of a, a skeptic until it actually happens. So sure. But when it does happen, yes, uh, when we, it does happen, we are waiting you know. for yes, the invitations to the premiere. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we'll we'll get all glammed up and fly out yes. to wherever. Yes, um, you'll get done. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we really appreciate your taking the time uh, yes. to speak with us. Uh, hopefully, you know, our, our objective or our goal here uh, as a result of this podcast is obviously to, you know, heighten the awareness of sarcoma cancer, uh, oh. uh, the awareness of what, what you are doing through uh, the Josh Powell Foundation and to bring more people uh, around the cause. Um, yes. Just for those who um, who live, or even if you do visit the, the D.C. area, uh, Josh's resting place is Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, he is in Section 34, and uh, the number is 571-A. I was there just uh, Thursday, and uh, I think I told you, Josh has a sense of humor. He was testing my land navigation skills. Yeah. I was walking all over that uh, that place looking for exactly. Section 34 because when I start when I entered the 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 cemetery, I'm immediately in like Section 31, 32, and 33. And so you, model. yeah. So you would think you would think Section 34 would be right there. No, it that was clear. Right. What's that? I said that would be way too easy. Yeah, it was clear across the other side of the, of the cemetery, and and uh, I, I could have I could have taken the the tram or the trolley or whatever, but I chose to walk. It was cold, but uh, being there at uh, Josh's resting place put it all into perspective, and it's kind of set the context uh, for our conversation today. So uh, I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Yes, no, thank you so much for going to visit him. It honestly means the world to me. I have people unexpectedly send me pictures of them visiting him, and it it's just paying your respects. And to me, it just ensures that he's not forgotten, and that's a priceless gift that you can give someone who has, has lost someone that they love. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for going to visit him and for sending me that video. I was in tears watching it, especially when you salute him at the end. It's just doesn't get more powerful than that. So thank you again. Well, it, it was my honor. Uh, Fabi, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, I don't know how you do it. You are, you're constantly on the go. Um, so you're taking the time out to talk with us is greatly appreciated. And uh, we look forward to working with you some more in the future. Yes, no, this was such a huge honor. If you guys want to find out more information about JPF, you can go to joshpowellfoundation.org. On social media, it's just Josh Powell Foundation. If you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, it's Bobby Powell. I appreciate you taking the time to do this podcast with me. I apologize about my crazy dog. Um, sorry, that was like a huge distraction. But thank you again for listening, and I hope to connect with you all in the future. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're signing off here and uh, everyone have a great day. Have a good one.